You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. To the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Hello, and welcome to this Pax What She Said recap. It is another Victory Monday. The Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14-12 yesterday. Um, Really interesting game, I would say. Not sure it played out the way I was expecting to. But uh, Maggie, hello. Happy Monday. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about this game? I mean, I feel better that it's Victory Monday and we're not dissecting a loss because I think, you know, going into this one, it had similar vibes to the Vikings game where it was a really daunting road test against an NFC opponent that the Packers, you know, theoretically might have to see later on in the playoffs. And it just felt like this one was more manageable for the Packers as far as making the adjustments that they needed to and I think they held on. So we talked kind of going into the game about, you know, there were different things where was it going to be like a defensive slugfest? The Packers couldn't afford to make mistakes, all those like keys to victory. And fortunately for the Packers, the Bucks just made a couple more mistakes that Green Bay was able to capitalize on. So really glad they hung on to this one. I think it's I think I don't think one and two would have been like a death sentence for them, obviously, three games into the season, but definitely feels a lot better for the Packers to be sitting at two and one and have two of their biggest road tests out of the way by week four. Yeah. And the the schedule gets a little bit easier from here on out as well, which is, which is nice. This game felt like Matt LaFleur's first season to me where the Packers used to come out like really hot, all the scripted plays worked out and then either defenses picked up on it or something changed and then they just like kind of rode out the lead that they had for as long as they possibly could. And obviously this one was riding it out until literally stopping a two point conversion. So I thought it was really interesting. Not, I don't want to call it a regression, just more like a reminder of kind of how far the Packers have come and what we, you know, you were used to at the beginning and, and what we kind of have, we have different expectations of them now. And granted they had plenty of opportunities for it to be, 21 to three at least with that Aaron Jones fumble. So there was a, there's a lot to unpack here. I called it the tale of two halves. The first half, obviously the Packers were completely dominant. Rogers only had one incompletion, I believe just absolutely dealing the ball all around. And then the second half, I mean, credit to the Bucks defense. I think they came back out after halftime with a really good game plan to, to stop this Packers offense. 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think it's one of those games. I, I'm glad you said 2019 because that's what it felt like to me where you were just waiting for everything to fire on all cylinders. Like you were waiting for the offense to have the kind of game where, you know, when the offense wasn't performing in 2019, it was we got a defense and the defense was, you know, keeping the team close or, you know, there was never really, I guess, a special teams opportunity for them to take the game over in 2019. But that same kind of ideal where we were waiting for them to play in all three phases. And I think this was kind of one of those games where the offense had things rolling and credit to the defense, you know, the defense played well, I think the entire game, but we were just waiting for things to feel like they were clicking and playing like an absolutely complete game. Yeah. And they just, I mean, the, it clicked the first half, I would say right. until the fumble, right. right. Um, but I think there's still, I mean, we've been saying this since week three, they're two and one, but like still so much to improve upon. Um, let's start with the offense because the offense to me was, I mean, the defense, like just, I think full stop played a really, really great game. Um, and obviously I think they get the credit for this win, but the offense was really interesting to me because like we said, they came out really hot. Everything that was scripted looked great. Matt LaFleur was just in his bag, right? Run game, play action, RPOs, all of it looked amazing. Um, and then in the second half, I think, I mean, my opinion, I, I just, you know, just off watching it last night, it just, the Bucks were able to stop the run. And like, once you kind of capped Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon from being able to get any kind of like meaningful yardage, the, the passing game just completely went away. And I think also credit to the Bucks secondary who we knew going into this game, right. That the Bucks secondary is one of the best in the league and they're going to make this really, really difficult. And they didn't in the first half. And then they kind of, they clearly like went in at halftime and said, we, we got to make some adjustments here. And when you couldn't get, when the Packers couldn't get the run game going, the, the passing game also pretty much fell apart. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting too, just kind of the dynamic of both defenses and how they, they were so aggressive in stopping the run. Leonard Fournette, I think, finished the day with like 36 yards. And yes, he had, you know, some nice receptions for some big chunks, but 36 yards on the ground. I thought it was interesting. The Packers only had three first downs by running plays and the Bucks only had one. So a lot of that first first down production really came from the passing game. And like you said, you know, we knew going into this game that it's like 100 degrees, it's hot. These teams are going to get gassed specifically on defense. And the key to that is going to be sustaining drives to give your defense an opportunity to rest. So the fact that they were able to, to shut down the run game as effectively as they did, especially knowing kind of the way that the Packers gave up huge chunks of yardage to David Montgomery last week, Leonard Fournette was going to be the guy for this offense. And the fact that they held him in check, I think says a lot about, you know, the progress that they made, especially in a hostile environment on the road where he was going to have to be um, kind of the hero of the day for them. Yep, for sure. Um, it's funny that he only had 36 yards because Aaron Jones also had 12 carries for 36 yards. Um, AJ Dillon with 32. So run game was not really there, I guess, for anybody in this game. Um, but two very, very, very good defensive lines, right? Doing their jobs and and wrecking the pocket. So um, let's talk about Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> well, yes, please. That was awesome. Um, I... I just love the rookie stepping up. Like we kind of joked before this game. Oh, this is going to be the Romeo Dobbs like breakout game. And yet it was um, eight catches, 73 yards, his first NFL touchdown, which 
Um, I love the celebrations of everyone around him. Even Rogers was super, super fired up about that. Um, you know, when Watkins goes down, Christian Watson couldn't play. You knew somebody was going to have to step up. And I think actually all the receivers had really nice days. Um, it may not look like it too much on the stat sheets, but I mean, Cobb had two really big catches. Um, Lazard out there doing his thing with the touchdown and some awesome blocks. But this was Dobbs's game, right? This was the rookie stepping up when opportunities presented themselves and making some really, really big plays for this offense. I think he was even open like more than Rodgers hit him on. So I'm expecting him to be a big part of this offense moving forward. Yeah, and I think it was really nice to see against, you know, a, a stifling buck secondary where we weren't sure kind of what the productivity would look like through the air to see the significant chunks of yardage. Dobbs had the long of 21. Al Lazard had a long of 26. Cobb had the longest of the day, which was 40. Tyler Davis got in there for a 23-yard reception. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was really nice to see that, especially, you know, because we talked about, yes, Rodgers threw, like, one untimely interception, which is still rare for him, but again, always in Tampa. Here. Always, Always, yeah. He's Tampa. never going back to Raymond James. It's a good thing the Super Bowl's not there because... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just the way that they were able to chunk yardage together and sustain these drives, I thought was really impressive because it felt kind of like the offense had stalled out, you know, at, at peak moments the last couple of weeks. So you think about them capitalizing on that third touchdown drive with the untimely fumble and it's a completely different ball game, I think yeah. from there. I mean, seeing in hindsight, the way the defense was playing like that definitely would have been the dagger in, yeah. even though it was still the first half. Um, I do think, I don't know. I, like I said, it was a tale of two halves. Like Rogers was getting the ball out really quick. The first half, he was like hitting his reads run game was working. And the second half, I felt like it was the opposite, right? Where he was kind of dancing around. He couldn't really find anybody open, whether that was true or not. He says, you know, he couldn't. Um, so I, I am curious, this, this offense has to get to a place where they're able to kind of hit on what they need to, even when the quote unquote scripted plays are over because I think that was the struggle in the second half. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting too. And again, it's early. You know, they've they've played three games and they've played against some really stout defenses up to this point. But you know, there's still a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And I think when the Packers are able to clean those up, we're talking about an offense that is fully capable of putting up you know, 25 plus points. And Aaron Rodgers said it like our defense is holding teams to 12 points. And when your defense holds a team to 12 points, you historically should be able to win all of those games. But he talked about, you know, putting the game away. He said he could have thrown a better ball to Aaron Jones in the first half. Yeah. Talked about, you know, when uh, Juwan Winfrey and Romeo Dobbs kind of crossed each other too closely and their feet got tangled. That should have been an easy first down games on ice. You run the clock or you kick a field goal. So assuming the offense can kind of get out of its own way, you know, and get through some of these growing pains, I think the defense is showing out the way that it needs to. Special teams played fantastic. And yeah. it's just, it's really promising stuff from the Packers early, even though like a 14 and 12 final isn't sexy, right? Like it's not exciting, but it it shows a lot of promise and it shows that the Packers still have plenty to improve upon. And I think that they'll absolutely make a lot of those adjustments. Yeah, the sloppy ball is what I've been like most surprised about. I think the Packers offense has had more turnovers than I would have expected from them. Um, and I, I mean, it's just different. Like Matt LaFleur, I feel like since he came to Green Bay has been all about the turnover battles and all about like no self-inflicting wounds and 
playing clean. So it does feel a little bit like out of character for one of his teams, but you said it, it's early. And I'm sure, I mean, those are things you're just going to have to clean up because you can't go, you know, into Buffalo in a couple of weeks. Like the bills are going to capitalize on, on those kinds of mistakes. Now it helps when your defense also for is forcing turnovers and kind of negating, if you will, offenses mistakes, but I don't like relying on those. Right. I think we've talked about this, like high turnover rate. I think the Packers had like, what was it like in the teens of interceptions the last a couple of seasons ago? And like those aren't repeatable types of things, if you will. So I think you just need to the offense needs to be cleaner. And I think it's kind of funny, too, to, to think about, like, at least me personally, like how spoiled we are by such perfect quarterback play, like Aaron Rodgers to have through three games, four touchdowns and two interceptions. It's like, oh, that's so weird for him, even though like that's a completely reasonable stat line. And it just means that he's I feel like when he plays in the boundaries of the offense and the Matt LaFleur scheme, things are clicking really well. And I think we saw a lot of that in the first half. And it's like you said, he got kind of happy feet in the second half kind of felt like he needed to make some things happen. And when he just is able to kind of accept the offense for what it is, they're able to move the chains effectively. And I think it's it's promising and it's it's really nice to see that he is able to abide by the restrictions of the offense. And, you know, the Packers still through three weeks are really spreading the ball around. Romeo yeah. obviously now leads the team with 16 targets. Tunyon second on the team with 14 targets, which is interesting. And then you've got Aaron Jones in third with 12 targets. So still really trying to spread the ball around. Um, but I think it's it's nice and comforting that Aaron Rodgers can play like a human, even though we know he's capable of playing like an MVP. And this offense can still find success even when he's making mistakes because now they have a defense that can mitigate some of those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, even though with the interception, like he still had, you know, went 27 for 35, 255 right. yards, two touchdowns. Like that is a very, very good day. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we just like literally expect perfection from him because he's the most turnover adverse quarterback. I think like to ever we've ever seen yeah. <laughs> like to literally ever exist. His touchdown to interception ratio is the best in the history of the NFL. So there is some spoiled, spoiledness there. Um, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We got to talk about the biggest news, which I can't believe we even didn't start the show with, which is we saw the return of David Bakhtiari. Um... That was huge. They did a snap count. It was a bit of a rotation with Yash Nyman, which I don't think I've ever seen before. 
um, any kind of offensive lineman rotation in that sense. It worked out um, for the most part, I believe. Obviously, David finished out the game, which I take as a good sign. Matt LaFleur and staff haven't said anything about how he feels post-game, but I think that he was playing in the fourth quarter to me feels like a good sign. Um, I don't know how (laughs) the players feel about that kind of rotation or how it impacted the offense and how Rodgers played. Um, I don't know if they would actually give an honest answer about how they felt about that, to be honest, but um, it ended up working out. They won. David looked great. Um, And so hopefully he can stay healthy and kind of continue this trend towards playing and hopefully playing a full game. Um, but by all accounts, like I was so, I think just like the energy going into that game with him was probably a huge boost as well. Yeah. I thought it was really like, they kind of talked to Rogers about it a little bit. They talked to Lafleur about it and David, you know, didn't say much about it, but he said that they were really adverse to it. Cause you know, one of the, the key points we always talk about along the offensive line is consistency. So it's like, yep. can you really develop consistency and cohesion when you're rotating out every series? But you know, Matt LaFleur said it, there was no drop-off. And that's a credit to Yash Nyman as well. David Bakhtiari, obviously, you don't expect him to come in and look like an all-pro. I think he gave up one pressure, but still played really well. Yeah. You know, they scored on his drive. They scored on Yash Nyman's first drive. So it, it says a lot, of, I think, about the depth as well. And, you know, the Packers got a good one in Yash, assuming that he can develop into potentially being that backup tackle. I know he kind of favors left over the right side, but... Yeah, really kind of a motivational boost, I think, to have David Bakhtiari back. Probably feels good for him as well. And it makes sense, honestly, to to come back and have your first game in, what is it, 18 months be Tampa? Or I know know we played the, you know, the couple series against the Lions last year, but your real game action back when it's like 95 degrees. And, you know, I I think easing him into it is going to only help him long term. And we'll see kind of what that looks like on Sunday if he's able to play maybe the entire game. I know fans have been really impatient about him coming back. And I get that, right. It's David Bakhtiari. He's been one of the best left tackles in the league. He just got the big contract, but if he comes back now and is actually healthy and can stay with this team for the rest of the season through the, through the tough parts, through the parts of the season where you want him to be healthy, I think you need to give all the credit to this coaching staff and, to these trainers for doing what they needed to do and maybe taking a lot longer than he would want a lot longer than this offense would want a lot longer than fans would want to get him back, but it's worth it if he stays healthy and feels good. And I totally agree with you about this game in particular. I mean, we saw Alan Lazard puke on the (laughs) sidelines and Josh Myers go down with cramps Mm -hmm. so this was not the game to push David to play the full game and they didn't need to because Yash plays well as well so um, I'm excited to kind of follow this week and see how David's feeling and hopefully he has no setbacks I'm calling him him David like we're besties (laughs) Um, and and just fingers crossed that everything's good and we can get him back full full time yeah, and I mean, I know that the entire NFL can be a series of like ifs and buts, but it was really nice to see the way that the Packers kind of let the Vikings game week one slip through their fingers, them to capitalize and like hang on uh, for this really gritty win against the Bucks because you know that could have like playoff or tiebreaker implications later on. And I think one of the reasons that they weren't able to hold on against the Vikings had a lot to do with the offensive line. So to have Elton Jenkins at right tackle, to have David Bakhtiari potentially back long term at left tackle, 
what was it? The Eagles, I think, had nine sacks against Carson Wentz on Sunday. And obviously, you know, you could argue that that says a lot about Washington's offensive line, but they're going to play some really stout defensive fronts. If they see the Bucs again, Keem Hicks will probably be back. They have to see the Vikings again. So just they're going to go have to go up against Von Miller in and that Bill's defensive front, which is kind of what I have my eye on is as you all can do. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. Yeah. Anything right. else on the offense for a switch to the defense? No, I mean, I think we, co- we covered kind of the, the, the biggest pieces of it, just a lot of growing pain still. Um, my only question actually, and we, then we can switch to the defense is like, is the rotating, if you will, of weapons the last three weeks? Cause Rogers has played, he's had both his backs, right. But the wide receivers have kind of, healthy, not healthy, rotating in and out pretty much besides Cobb. I'm, I'm wondering if that's also affecting it. Um, if he's just like, all right, who do I have this week to throw to? Um, I feel like Matt LaFleur can game plan really well. I'm sure he has every weapon, you know, in the script and has like, he clearly scripted up things for, for Dobbs this right. week because Dobbs was healthy and, and able to play. But I do wonder if the healthy, not healthy, in, out all the time does impact the way this offense can run. Yeah. And I mean, like we talked about it, you know, last week when they all said like, hey, there's packages for each of these guys. And, you know, we'll see more of like the Watson package. And, you know, Lafleur, it sounded like in his postgame presser, you know, was was talking, he felt bad about Sammy Watkins. He said like, maybe we push these guys a little bit too hard. And, you know, there's a lot of soft tissue injuries early. And maybe these are things that we could be avoiding. So the fact that he's on IR now, was really unfortunate because he had such a such kind of like a a homecoming or coming out party against the Bears and we thought like wow he's going to be a really impressive addition to this offense and thank God that Alan Lazard is back for Rodgers because you can tell that he's such a security blanket and really quickly too before we switch to the defense I just feel like Randall Cobb deserves you know a little bit of a shout out for being underrated in the offense and not getting too many looks. I mean, he's only had eight targets so far this season, 108 yards, but he is making the biggest plays you could argue for this offense. He's consistently moving the chains. He's always where he needs to be on third downs. He's, he's the Rogers guy still. And we talked about like, if he has 500 yards and three touchdowns, is that a good year for him? And it absolutely is because when he's on the field, he's making an impact regardless of what the stats, the stats show. Yeah. And he's on pace for that right now. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, he's he's coming up in the big moments. I, I think the stat line and his amount of targets don't do justice for the amount that he does for this offense. And I mean, 32 years old, the guy's still got wheels. Yeah. Um, while we're giving shout outs to the to the offense, and I know we, we have to talk about this defensive performance, um, I do want to say again, I'm, I said it last week and I'm going to repeat myself, what Alan Lazard does for this offense in the way that he blocks cannot yeah. be understated. Like again, you look at his stats, four receptions, 45 yards, the one touchdown, you're like, okay. And maybe fantasy owners, me in particular, are like, <laughs> come on, Alan, we want more. But what he does in the run game, what he did for Dobbs on his tu- his touchdown with the little rub, like that just cannot be understated how important he is in this offense. And like you said, just so, so glad to have him back after week one. Yeah. And I mean, five straight games now with a touchdown, five consecutive games for Lazard. So clearly, you know, he's going to keep doing what he's doing and Rogers is going to look for him in the red zone. Obviously I think at this point, 
the biggest weapon that Rodgers has in the red zone. You know, it was yeah. Tanyan a few years ago, always had been Devontae. I think Lazard's kind of the guy this year, at least early for Rodgers with that comfort that he has. And literally big. And literally <laughs> the biggest until Christian Watson comes back. So, um, all right, defense. This was awesome. I mean, awesome and also not awesome because we're not really sure what happened to Jair. Right. He was, he, I think, did he even play a series or was he out that early? I don't I think, think he, he made the third down stop and then he went to the sideline with yeah. the injury. Yeah. So, another, you know, curse of the heat, puking, cramps, soft tissue injuries. Um, it's tough. They they happen. I hope it's not serious. I don't think we've gotten any news. But major shout out to Kazion Nixon because he came in. You know, they moved Rasul out to, to the boundary and Nixon came in to play nickel. Um, and he did a really phenomenal job, not just on defense, but on special teams as well. So, you know, we kind of maligned the depth in this secondary during the offseason saying you know if any one of these five guys goes down this Packers secondary looks very very different and yet a depth piece came in and actually like really held down the fort and gave the Bucks offense kind of a hard time so I thought I thought that was just like you ha- had to highlight that the thing I thought was really interesting too and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this like Rasul Douglas had been playing primarily you know, kind of that nickel role so far for this defense early in the season. You had Jair on the boundary and Stokes on the boundary. But when I saw Rasul lined up against Cole Beasley and Cole was just getting open in the flat, like on these quick slants, in my head, I'm like, I don't know if Rasul Douglas has the speed to kind of make up for this when you've got Scotty Miller as another option in the slot. Like this Bucks offense is fast. Yeah. So I almost really liked, I mean, obviously you'd want Jair out there, but when Rasul moved to the boundary and Nixon came in, in the nickel, I thought the defense played better. And I I don't know. I mean, that's not to discredit Douglas. It's not to take away from Nixon's game. But I just, I really like Rasul on the boundary. And I think it allows him to be more physical. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if Joe Barry does anything with that as far as how he rotates those guys. Because, you know, most weeks, I think Rasul has the speed to make up for it. But it just felt like some of those, that quick passing game that Tom Brady kind of, that's his bread and butter, especially at this stage of his career. It felt like that could have been an opportunity for the Bucks to sustain drives yeah. if they didn't make that switch early. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I didn't even think about that. The Packers have this odd conundrum of having three top tier boundary corners and you don't necessarily play <laughs> three boundary right. corners ever. So Joe Barry does have a I think an enviable task, right, mm-hmm. of figuring out who needs to go where against which opponent. And it would have been pretty interesting to see because I I presume that if Jair had stayed healthy, he would have stayed on the outside, maybe rotated into nickel a little bit there because I know they like to move him around. But if that would have changed anything in this game, because like you said, Rasul was struggling a little bit. We will never know, but it, right. it is an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about it, too, where you've got three really good corners at playing press man. And when you allow them to be physical, that obviously makes a difference for the defense. But I think some of that is if you're overly physical against receivers that are incredibly shifty, then you give up some of those looks in the flat. So, you know, obviously, like you said, we'll never know. But nice to see Nixon be. Because we, I think you just said it a couple of minutes ago, going into the season, we were like, well, there's not really a CB4. Nobody has really kind of 
etched that spot out yet on the depth chart. And I think Nixon now has laid claim to that uh, pretty yeah. aggressively. Yeah. And they did bring Shamar, John Charles mm-hmm. in, in dime. So yeah, I think these guys are getting the opportunity to step up and I think they're playing really well, which is gives the coaching staff and myself as a fan sitting on the couch, like a really nice feeling of knowing, okay, hopefully Jair isn't out, you know, next week and right. for any kind of like, significant time but it is good to see that this depth can kind of hold down the fort against not a bad team either right against tom brady and i know he was a you know he lost some of his weapons um and they were playing really against like russell russell gage and leonard fournette and scotty miller right not not the full force but they played really well um my crush on quay walker the player <laughs> continues to grow seems to blossom of every week he has just become an absolute revelation in the middle of this defense his speed and his just him and Campbell together are think are everything we could have ever wanted and dreamed of um the two of them complement each other so well and Devondre I think had a total resurgence game you know he hasn't been his all pro self the last two weeks which again we have very high expectations of a player after they have a season like his that he did, but he was a tackling machine. He obviously made the big play to save the game, but the two of them in that middle of the defense has just transformed what the Packers are able to do. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Quay having, you know, the, the makeup speed that we haven't seen from the inside linebacker position in green Bay. in so long last week when he was able to save the Justin Fields touchdown this week, you know, we obviously saw him force a fumble in the middle of the field, him and Amos kind of combined on that one. And then Devondre Campbell, it's 14 total tackles, you know, against the Bucs. That's, that's, those are insane that's numbers. Insane. Yeah. Obviously, his one pass defense, the play, arguably the play of the game, at least saving the Packers from overtime and kind of letting them. He got every inch of his 6'4 body up for that one, like every single inch. And I know Darnell Savage joked that if, if Campbell didn't make the play, he was going to because he was in a good position on that one. But yeah, I think th- these are the, the kind of galvanizing moments for your defense. And I thought, that it was really special after the game when Kenny Clark said, like, these are the kind of games that we haven't won in the past. Like, these are the kind of moments that our defense has let slip or, you know, so- somehow there's been a mistake or we've we've let we've let up just enough, taken our foot off the gas and we've we've let these slip away. And the fact that the defense is recognizing that and they're understanding that they have the personnel to not let that happen now, I think is just it's just another growth opportunity. And we're going to see even better performances from them against, you know, equally talented offenses. Yeah. So much of defense, I feel like in the NFL is about confidence in yourself, backing yourself. I mean, you see it in some of the league's best, just being like unabashedly cocky in like the best way possible. I don't mean that as a, as an insult. And these moments I think really carry defenses forward of like, we can stop anybody now. Yes. It was a very bend. Don't break drive. Um, to the fullest extent but at the same time they still held Tom Brady to and this offense to six points until the very very end and you just you what else can you ask for you know and I don't think that drive would have mattered if let's say Aaron Jones doesn't fumble right and the Packers are able to score again which in the future you hope that they're able to score more than 14 points but I think it gives you a really a really nice feeling moving forward um 
all right, we've done secondary, we've done middle of the defense. Now we have to give the defensive line <laughs> its moment to shine um, because Kenny Clark was mauling men out there. Like he was just grown, grown man uh, against boys. Um, and I just think this whole defensive line looks stout. Um, they were definitely getting held a little bit. <laughs> just a smidge. Um, just, just a little, a little bit. bit against this Bucks offensive line. So, And they still were able to completely collapse the pocket um, during key moments. So, you know, refs, sorry the check didn't clear. Maybe next time. Um, I'm just kidding. Please, I'm just kidding. But yes, they, they, looked, they looked great. They looked the part, right? Um, and they did come up in moments where, you know, Jerron Reed recovers a fumble and Kenny Clark has two sacks. Rashawn Gary got in there. Rashawn Gary has had a sack in every game so far this season. So playing up to expectations. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think you can say enough about, you know, and we've not to be repetitive on the show, but we've talked like ad nauseum about the defensive line has always been kind of the question mark. And, you know, anytime there's an issue with like giving up chunk plays in the run game, you know, your fingers are pointed to the defensive line, rightfully so. And, you know, this is the most most depth that they've had in a long time where I think that was part of it in the Florida heat. You have the confidence that you can have Kenny out there on third downs when it matters. You have Dean Lowry, who you trust. TJ Slayton is coming into his own in his second year. Jaron Reed was a, a phenomenal pickup for them at a relatively low cost. And then it's not even talking about the development yet of Devontae Wyatt, who was your first round pick, who, you know, we should see more of you know, towards the later end of the season, because we know it takes the defensive linemen a little bit longer to acclimate at the pro level. But yeah, just, you know, everywhere you look, you know, it used to be, oh God, if Kenny Clark goes down, what's going to happen to this line? And at least now, you know, you would, you would never want Kenny Clark to get hurt. So not going to put that into the universe, but you know, there, there's more depth there than I think we've seen from this room since arguably, I don't know, the Super Bowl run, you know, in like 2010. Like, I don't know the last time that the defensive line room has looked this stout and had this much depth. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and I think, I think um, Devontae Wyatt was credited with a very, very high PFF grade as well, even though he played, a, I think, a limited number of snaps somewhere. It was less than 10. So he's getting his reps. He's getting... He's, he's putting in the performance that you'd want to see from him in his limited reps. So with the hope that he can kind of, like you said, grow into this larger role that a first round pick, you know, should be growing into. Yeah. So before we wrap this up, I do want to talk about special teams. Yes, please. You know, <laughs> um, you know Pat O'Donnell, we, we talked about like, you know, what can special teams be under Rich Passaccia? And then, you know, week one was kind of underwhelming. Matt LaFleur talked about week two, you know, the, the progress that he thought that that unit made just in one week and, you could argue that, you know, there were – I don't think it should have been running into the kicker. I think that that changes the entire game. I think, if anything, that's a safety. It's a two-point flip, and the game kind of ends there. Nullified a great Amari Rodgers return, but, you know, whatever. Those those things happen to, to all teams, so, you know, you can't complain about it too much. But just really impressive stuff. Pat O'Donnell has been such – like a – such an improvement over what we've seen from the Packers punters, just reliable, consistent, and to not like hold your breath every time you see the special yeah. teams trot out onto the field. I think, you know, we're going to see even more from that unit, um, especially as, you know, the weather gets really cold, the ball gets harder to hang on to. It's windy, there's snow, just really promising um, so far for th through three weeks. Yeah. I think if the Packers had lost, we'd be looking at that running into the kicker botched call a little bit deeper, yeah. but it ended up not really mattering. Um, I mean, Pat O'Donnell, I 
his punts, I'm looking at the stats. Uh, he had 339 yards. And you don't want Pat to be punting that much, right? It's not. Right. It's that, that means the offense isn't exactly doing its job. But he was flipping the field to the point where he was giving this defense really, really advantageous field position. And it was forcing Tom Brady and the Bucks to go 90, 85, 80 yards. And this defense was able to stop them before they were able to get in scoring position. So, sure, you don't want your punter out there, but when he's able to flip the field like that and give you that kind of advantage, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, five of his seven punts landed inside the 20. Uh, the Keyshawn Nixon play, again, where he downed the ball at the one. I mean, we talked about that actually on the preview show, saying that you can't let Tom Brady start drives you know, with favorable field position. They were first in the league in starting field position. I think they were starting drives at like 36-yard line going into this week, and they're still technically first in the league in starting field position after three weeks, but now it's down to 29 yards as starting field position. So it kind of shows you how much Pat O'Donnell did to – to kind of make up for a lot of that and you know credit to like you said that special teams unit and their ability to cover because a lot of these drives could have ended differently if you're giving Tom Brady a 60 yard field or a 70 yard field instead of making him go 90 yards and really work through the heat with these receivers that he maybe doesn't have a ton of trust with yeah I mean the the getting downed at the two yard line was I think the best special teams play I've seen the Packers do in years (laughs) um and I mean we had a good feeling when the Packers brought in Rich Bisaccia, just knowing the kind of special teams coach that he's been in his career. And you saw him bring in his guys from the Raiders um, to at the expense of some Packers players that maybe you or I or fans out there would have liked to have been on the roster on the fringe. But every decision that they have made and every player that Rich has brought in that has made this team has been actively contributing to the complete turnover of this unit so so far i'm enjoying this rich bisaccia era i gotta say yeah and a big shout out as well to rudy ford yep who the packers picked up from jacksonville and he is interestingly today we learned that matt lafleur and co no longer call um the position gunners they call them flyers um but rudy ford is a all pro flyer apparently that dude can just get down the field and he has made play after play for special teams so yeah it's almost like rich Passaccia knows what he's doing i guess so good hire <laughs> packers we are fans all right we've covered all three phases um we thank everyone who's here with us live and i hope those who are catching this on the replay uh enjoy the recap any final thoughts before we say goodbye to everyone I think my biggest final thought here is that I'm really excited as a Packers fan, not any type of analyst, that the Vikings and the Bucks games are in the rearview mirror. Those were two really tough games to start the season and for the Packers to have split those and to be sitting at two and one, knowing they've got a home game next week to kind of recoup a little bit. Exciting stuff. I like the I like the trajectory of this team. I think their arrows pointing up in all three phases. I think there's plenty to clean up, but Matt LaFleur has always said those are his favorite games is when you get a win and you still have plenty that you can correct on tape. So I think that's what this was. They got the win. There's plenty for them to clean up. Nothing I thought was too concerning as far as like, hey, they have to get this remedied right away or they're going to lose all these games. So good stuff, Packers. That was, yeah. that was a fun Sunday. Good stuff. Great defensive win. Um, not worried about this offense getting there. So good that they have a defense to give them time. 
I think the next couple of weeks, uh, like you said, they, they got two really hard road games out of the way, and now they have a chunk of a, a bit of an easier schedule. They go to London for the first time ever in franchise history, so that should be interesting. Um, so we'll see what the what the next chunk of the season brings. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can find us, as always, at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Um, this will be up on all of your streaming services. Find us, Pax, what she said, on Instagram, Twitch. That's, that's how you're viewing us now. YouTube. Um, you can follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. We will be back later this week with our preview of the Patriots game. Should be interesting with this Mac Jones injury news. Um, so tune in for that. And as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 